Welcome back to another episode of Give That Fan a Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Blake. That's my co-host, Paul Valley, And we're going to have a little fun today, Paul. Uh, we're going to we're gonna redraft Mike Elias' drafts. Oh, thank God, man, because these shows are not fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just we'll kidding. Try- We'll try to spice it up a little bit. Uh, you you guys may notice if you're watching the show, uh, we have our T-shirts in. Um, this is actually my girlfriend's shirt. She ordered one before I did, but she allowed me to wear it on the show so I could show it off a little bit. This isn't the best camera setup to show it off. I'll have to climb out of my seat a little bit. It's a, it's a good-looking shirt. We, we'll try to an- ignore the fact that you and your girlfriend can wear the same size shirt. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that, but uh, I have four of my own on the way, a couple podcast shirts and a couple others from the site. Uh, but speaking of which, Give That Fan a Podcast is sponsored by Birdland Sports. Josh from Section 336 has a great line of affordably priced Orioles-themed t-shirts available for purchase at birdlandsports.com. They've rolled out a ton of new designs lately. I, I really think they've pretty much doubled their inventory just over the past couple weeks. They've rolled out a bunch of new shirts, including Give That Fan a Podcast t-shirts, which are now available in both orange and black. These t-shirt designs are for fans by fans. You can use promo code THATFAN at checkout for 20% off your purchase at birdlandsports.com. That's birdlandsports.com, promo code T-H-A-T-F-A-N, all one word, at checkout for 20% off your purchase. We'd previously been promoting it as birdlandstore.com. That link still works, but it'll redirect you to birdlandsports.com. Josh has done a little bit with the website there. Each purchase helps support Baltimore podcasts such as ours, so head on over to birdlandsports.com and enter promo code THATFAN for 20% off. Now, is that for your first purchase only or for every purchase? I believe it it applies continuously. Um, okay. It even applies in addition to sales. They run a lot of sales uh, I know a couple last week they ran a promotion where if you bought a Gunnar Henderson T-shirt, it was you know it was like five bucks off. And I texted Josh. I said, "Does our promo code still work if a shirt's already on sale?" He said, "Yes." So I have four shirts on the way. I spent less than sixty dollars. That's awesome. So yeah, so definitely keep an eye out for them. Guys. What's that? I said, "Go get your shirts, guys." Yeah, please do. They're, it's really nice and soft. The, uh, the the color on the website, it doesn't look like a true Orioles orange, but as you can see it on me, it's a it's a really good orange color, very comfortable, and uh, same size as my girlfriend, but that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, – oh, also subscribe to our YouTube, uh, please, if you would. Please do. Um, we need to hit 100 subscribers at some point so we can change the URL. Uh, but in any event, we'd, we'd love for you to be engaged with the podcast. Pretty soon, Paul, I don't think next week, because we will have a guest on next week, but I think the week after, I think we'll start going live. And uh, that'll either be on my Orioles account or on the Utah Street Report Twitter account. Uh, it'll probably, I think it can be live on YouTube as well. I'm not sure how many destinations we can do. I'm still figuring out the, the StreamYard stuff, but uh, that way we'll be able to, you know, people will be able to listen live. They can comment. We can pull up comments on the screen as we broadcast. Uh, answer your questions as we go. So uh, looking forward to that, and hopefully we'll have that in the works in the next couple weeks. Definitely. Paul, the Orioles swept the Nationals. It was a short two-game series, but they needed to sweep that series. Uh, The Battle of the the Beltways has been around since 2006. Remember, the Orioles and Nationals did not play each other in the Nats' inaugural season in 2005 because the Expos schedule had already been created. But the Orioles' record in the Battle of the Beltways, they have nine series wins, two losses, and six ties. So the Orioles add another one to their tally. They're now four games back of Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. We thought we were going to be chasing Toronto down the stretch. We're now five and a half back of Toronto. 
Tampa's starting to falter a little bit. They've lost three or four so far to the Jays. They play them again this afternoon. But the problem with that is for the Orioles, Tampa Bay has the tiebreaker. They won the season series 10 to 9. So the Orioles need to finish ahead of them. They can't end in a tie or else they won't make the playoffs. We've been talking a little bit about can the Orioles pick up some ground in September. They play six against the the Jays. They don't play the Rays anymore. How do you see these last couple weeks playing out? I will say the the Rays also have six games remaining against the Houston Astros, who they have not played yet this year. I think they have four games against the Blue Jays still after today, right? They do, and they have three in Cleveland, who has won, I think, six in a row now and, wow, and okay. lead their division by uh, – it's not more than a few games, but – they, they've started to pull away a little bit. So Tampa doesn't have an easy how, schedule. How they have been, they hated on the Orioles and the Guardians at the beginning of the year for the low payrolls. And the Guardians are leaving the division. And the Orioles are the first team on the outside looking in for the wild card. Like, it, it, yeah, the Orioles aren't in the playoff spot right now, but they've been so wildly successful this year. And these were the two teams that were hated on the most for their low payrolls next to the Athletics. I, I just think that that's kind of fun, funny. Yeah, I, I think I pointed out on a show a couple of weeks ago, the Texas yeah. Rangers spent uh, over half a billion dollars in free agency, and they are not going to make the playoffs. They're likely not going to finish above 500. Yeah, it's it's funny how that works, but it's yeah. nice to see the Orioles have a little bit of a resurgence. And, you know, we've been saying for a few years, hopefully this is the start of some type of long-term sustainable success. And I think it is. And, and as for the answer to your question, um. Look, the Orioles looked really bad in that series against Toronto last week, and then they needed to go out and win two, at least two or three against Boston. And I thought they needed to sweep them, and they lost two or three. Yeah, they needed to they needed to win both games against the Nationals. They need to sweep Detroit next week, and honestly, they need to take two or three from the Blue Jays um, this weekend, and then take probably all three against them in the last series of the year if they want to sniff the playoffs there. Um, Look, I, I said it last week on the show, and I said it on the bat around too, that I don't believe that the Orioles are making the playoffs this year. I just I think that they kind of hit a bump in the road at the wrong time, uh, which was very, very recently. Um, last night, I, th- I was at the game down in D.C., and I thought they, I thought they were going to lose. Um, not, not from the beginning, but we were talking – I was on the bus ride down, and I was talking to my wife about it, and – we were talking about how Patrick Corbin's ERA was approaching six and a half. And I was like, yeah, he's probably going to go six innings of one-run ball. Yeah, nailed and, it. And then he went six innings of one-run ball. And the Orioles looked dead in the water. They bring in the relief option. They um, they put the Porsche back in the garage. And and they put Cedric Mullins in. He gets a couple of base hits. Gunnar Henderson goes bananas in his last two, in, in his last few plate appearances. Drives in four runs. And they come away with a much-needed victory. So that was definitely cool to see. And... Um, yeah, they they, they got to play their best baseball the rest of the way. And you look at this team right now. What are they? They're seventy five and sixty seven. Seventy five. Actually, I can pull that up right here. They are seventy five and sixty seven. Yes. Yeah. So they've got twenty games left, and honestly, they're probably going to need to go anywhere from fourteen and six to uh, sixteen and four, in my opinion, if they want if they want to make the playoffs. And I I don't know how realistic that is when you have. Six games against the Blue Jays still, four games against the Astros, and three games against the Yankees. Uh, that's 13 of your 20 games against some of the best teams in baseball. That's going to be really, really tough. It's going to be really tough. Like I said, they have to play way over their heads the rest of the way. So yeah. I don't think it's likely, but it doesn't mean the season's not a success. It's still a successful season. They still should finish above 500, 
and really give themselves some momentum heading into the offseason. And that's when we'll see what this team's going to be moving forward if they go out and they sign some guys that they need to sign. They need a bat for the middle of the order. But just on the outside looking, I think is how the season ends. Yeah, I, I think I have to agree with you. I mean, at some point, it feels like we've been between three and five games out of a wild card spot for a week or two now. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you have to start gaining ground, not just holding firm with where you are. And as as each day goes by, the number of games remaining gets shorter. So you have to start to narrow that gap. And yeah, like you said, Paul, in order to do that, they have to play way over their heads. The offense has to figure it out quickly. Uh, it's interesting last night that they get shut down by Corbin for six innings. And then a, a pitcher with a, an ERA under one run comes in and the Orioles score four off of him. His, his in, in ERA that. quadrupled in that yeah. inning. Yep. Um, so you, you, you started to answer a question that I had. In the second inning last night, the Orioles loaded the bases with nobody out. Ryan McKenna grounded, I guess, into a fielder's choice back to Corbin. Probably should have mm-hmm. been a double play, but Corbin yeah. mishandled the ball, barely got the out of the plate. Gunnar Henderson, RBI ground out, and then Jorge Mateo struck out with runners on second and third to end the inning. And I didn't see exactly when you tweeted this, but you said something about the garaged Porsche having an unproductive at-bat. And I, I wasn't sure who exactly you meant by that. You mentioned they put the Porsche back in the garage and brought in Mullins. So is is Ryan McKenna the garage Porsche, and how did that come about? Yes, um, and, I, and I can see where the confusion it comes from because I tweeted it after Mateo struck out. Um, okay. I think that's but, what threw me off. Yeah, I tweeted it after Mateo struck out, but I was talking about Ryan McKenna. And look, I have – when I was producing Glenn Clark Radio over at Pressbox Sports, we had Ryan McKenna on the show, and he was a nice guy. And I, I have nothing against him personally. I don't need anything against him as a player. I think he's a really good fourth outfielder. Um, and look, the Orioles are 8-3 and three in his last 11 starts. They're 60-33 and 53, they're 60 and 33 when he plays. And they are 23-15 and 15 when he starts. So it's not like he's hurting the ball club. Um, but I can't remember where I read this, but I saw in an article that they asked him about his playing time and how he felt about it. And his response was, when you have a Porsche, you got to take it out of the garage. <laughs> and I, I just felt like you got to know who you are. You know what I mean? And I also... Yeah. I, I understand being confident. Yes. I, under, I understand being confident. Uh, I, I play baseball. I've played baseball all my life. I've always been a good player, never been a great player. And when I played for Hartford Community College, I said to somebody in the dugout, you know, if I got, you know, steady playing time every day, I think I'd be a top five player on this team. And that person brought it up in kangaroo court, and I got fined like 50 cents or a dollar for it in kangaroo court. <laughs> And, you know, I was, I was a fourth outfielder on that team. And, but I believed in myself to the point where I thought if I was their everyday right fielder, I would be one of the top five players on the team. You have to believe in yourself to be competitive and to play competitive sports. So I get where he's coming from. I just, at the same time, you have to know your role. And I, when you have a Porsche, you have to take it out of the garage to refer to yourself in that way. I said that to my wife last night and she was like, who talks about themselves like that? I just thought it was a funny way. And when he calls himself that and then struggles at the plate, it was, it's just kind of funny to me. I don't know. Yeah. Wait, wait. When you said the garage Porsche, I pictured the, the meme of, I don't even know if it's a Porsche in the meme, but there's a, like a nice car that's sitting 
in the driveway under cover of this really rundown house with an overgrown lawn. It's, it's a meme. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a meme that's been out there for a little bit. And uh, I thought it was some type of reference to that. And I was I was confused by because I, I could I figured out that it was either McKenna or Mateo that you were talking about. And I, mm-hmm. I couldn't connect it to that meme. But I, I get where you're coming from now. It's I, I get the confidence, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You have to kind of understand. You who know, you the, are. They, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, a lot of people, myself included, have questioned Brandon Hyde with his lineup decisions and whatnot. And uh, you put some Ryan McKenna in the lineup, which is fine. He's got to play sometimes, and sometimes you want to get your matchups, and I understand that. But he either bats him lead off. Or he bats him like fifth or sixth. He puts him in the heart of the order. And Ryan McKenna is like a number nine hitter in any lineup. He's a nine hitter. And the fact that he's batting fifth or sixth in a lineup, and then you watch, you watch, he was batting sixth last night. You watch Santander, I mean, Mountcastle get on base. You watch Santander get on base. You watch Urias get on base. Base is loaded, nobody out. And then up comes Ryan McKenna. And you're like, are you kidding me? And he hits a ground ball right back to the pitcher that should have been a, a one, two, three double play. He's lucky that, you know, it was misplayed by Corbin. They only got the one out, but that out was at the plate. You know, um, it, it, he shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. And I know Gunnar Henderson struggles more against lefties than he does against righties, but McKenna, uh, Richardson, uh, Richardson, Gunnar <laughs> Henderson batting eighth and McKenna batting sixth to me, it should have been flipped. I thought that was egregious. And, uh, and, and it, showed last night gunner had a huge game and mckenna you know did nothing yeah and then mullins comes in with as soon as i put on the right hander and he goes two for two yeah exactly you know questionable line decisions for sure obviously it didn't impact the orioles to the point of losing a game last night but you know another questionable it seems like at least twice a week they're putting out a lineup where i'm like why why are they doing that you know you you, give mullins a day off against the lefty i get that Jesus Aguilar should not be DHing over Kyle Stowers. I don't think – I don't know who's setting the lineup. I don't know if it's Brandon Hyde. I don't know if it's coming down from Elias or somebody else. I'm starting to wonder if the Orioles have any idea that Kyle Stowers, in his past two full minor league seasons, hits left-handed pitching better. It, it, it's He can't buy a start. And he, he, they're going against Patrick Corbin last night, who's one of the worst pitchers in baseball. He's a lefty. Corbin's splits are not significant. He's a little better against left-handed pitchers, but – what does Kyle Stowers have to do to get a start against the left-handed pitcher or get he, a plate appearance for that matter? He strikes out so much. And that I think that that's what they're looking at. And I mean, his numbers against left-handed pitching the last two full seasons in the minors has been better than his numbers against right-handed pitching. Uh, so I, I, I'm there with you. It's, it's confusing to say the least. Um, his swing decisions aren't great. He has a lot of check swings on pitch, on pitches that aren't close to the strike zone. So it he seems does. like he's making up his mind to swing before the pitch is even thrown. Um, and I think that maybe they're, they're seeing that. Even still, the numbers against left-handed pitching have been better than right-handed pitching. He's gotten, I think, one at bat against a left-handed pitcher or one plate appearance all season, and he has been hit, and he was hit by a pitch. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, and especially when you consider that he's got, I think since that home run, he's something like, uh, like 7 for 18 since he hit that home run. So, something ridiculous like that. I don't know. I'd like to. I'd like to see him get a start. But and Aguilar had two hits last night. He did. Yeah. I mean, credit where it's due. Aguilar came through with a couple singles. Although you you didn't bring in Jesus Aguilar to hit singles for you. No, you didn't. 
He's got so, three hits and they're all singles. So not to not to complain, but uh, you know it worked out last night. Um, all right, a couple more things I wanted to dive into real quick before we do this draft because we're already about 15 minutes into this. Um, Austin Hayes hit leadoff last night, which was a confusing decision to say the least. But we've seen some signs of life from him. He has five hits in his last three games, including a pair of doubles. Granted, one of them was a blooper and the other one was a rocket off the wall and left. Nonetheless, two doubles in his last three games. September has been historically the best month for Austin Hayes throughout his career. If the Orioles get some production from him down the stretch, if this small sample size, little bit of a hot streak is a sign that Hayes is starting to figure it out at the plate, how important is that for the Orioles as they fight for a playoff spot? Oh, it's very important. It's very important because he was he and Ryan Mountcastle carried this offense. Uh, he, Mountcastle, and Rutschman carried the offense in June. Um, and Mountcastle's having a far better um, September than he had July or August. So uh, Hayes, if he's starting to figure it out at the plate, especially when Hyde either bats him lead off or he bats him in the bats him fifth a lot, that's the the main struggles for the Orioles the last few weeks has been their offense. And their offense has been wildly inconsistent. Uh, down the stretch, you add a productive Austin Hayes to a productive Ryan Mountcastle to Adley Rutschman to Gunnar Henderson to Ramona Rios, who's been who's been squaring up balls a little bit more, and Cedric Mullins. Now you, and and Anthony Santander, who's been a stud the entire second half of the season. Yeah. If now you have a, an elongated lineup that can score some runs, you know, and the, these things tend to snowball, right? One guy gets going, then another guy gets going, then the entire lineup gets going because they're picking, they're feeding off each other. I think it's huge, and I think that if the Orioles have any shot at getting to the playoffs, again, I don't think it's likely, but I'm not saying it's impossible. If the Orioles have any shot at getting to the playoffs, this offense is going to need to step it up. And aside from the last two nights, they haven't shown that they can do that. So Hayes, in the middle of getting back to where he was in the first three months of the year, that's huge for this team. Yeah, that'd be massive. And speaking of guys who have been key down the stretch, Gunnar Henderson in his first 14 big league games. And we, we've we've talked about guys with a learning curve coming to the majors. Mm-hmm. Gunnar Henderson has not seemed to be affected by that learning curve in the slightest bit. It's a 320 batting average, 370 on base, 520 slugging percentage. That's an 890 OPS, a 145 OPS plus. And he already has half of uh, half a win above replacement, according to baseball reference. That's a 5.8 B war per 162 games. Mm-hmm. Gunnar Henderson has uh, – you, you tweeted last night, Paul. He's a superstar already. Yeah. Uh, the guy comes up in big situations and finds a way to drive and runs, finds a way to get that big hit. You know, the Orioles have runners on first and second last night with Henderson coming to the plate, and I think there were two outs. And – he rips that ball down the, down the left field line. It was going to be a triple regardless um, because of his speed. And then the guy botches the throw, and he ends up scoring for a little league home run. The guy just comes up time and time again and produces for this team. And, yeah, you, you know that there's going to be a learning curve at some point. You know the other shoe's going to drop at some point, and he's going to have his struggles. He can get figured out a little bit. But look at what Rutschman did, what Julio Rodriguez did, what Bobby Witt did in their first 50 at-bats. Uh, 50 at-bats, and he's been far and away better than all of them. I think this guy's got got superstar written all over him. He came up and did exactly what we we thought was a long shot that he was going to do what he's done, but this is what we thought he could do for this lineup, and he's been absolutely incredible. And now he gets an entire offseason to hone his craft 
work on the week, the few weaknesses that we've seen to this point and come out next year and be probably the top candidate for rookie of the year. Gunnar Henderson is becoming a superstar right before our eyes, and it's really, really fun to watch. You, you trust. When he comes up, you're not like, oh, he's a rookie. You're like, this dude's going to get the job done, and it's awesome. Yeah, nine nine runs batted in so far in his first 14 games. He's got a bomb in a bag. I think, was it four of those runs batted in that came last night? Yep. It's at least three. Yeah, four. He had the RBI ground out. He doesn't get the RBI for the, the Little League home run because of the error in left field. He, he did got not, two, two RBIs on that. Right, two RBIs on that, and then the double off the wall in right center field, kind of near your seats. You, you guys had a good spot last night. If you if you watch um, hmm, Taron Bavra's hit that yeah. he got thrown out of second base, if you watch his hit and you see a guy in an orange shirt stand up and like start to lean over, that's me. You can You can see me in the replay. But I mean, it's far away. You can't see my face or granular, but uh, yeah. that's me. It's cool. It's cool to just be there, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll have to go take a look at that. All right, Paul, uh, we're going to dive into a bit of a fun exercise that just kind of came to me last night out of the blue. I was trying to plan for the show and I thought, you know, we were watching Gunnar Henderson tear it up. Kyle Stowers has been good lately. Adley Rutschman has been great since he came up. Michael Elias has drafted very well, it appears. Mm-hmm. We're just starting to reap the benefits of the 2019 draft. We'll start to see 2020 and 2021 coming pretty soon. 2022, still a bit far off. But I think we're deep enough into the Elias, Sigmaidel regime, Brad Selick, all those guys, to redraft his first four drafts. And international signings will be included. But here are the rules. We're both going to select 10 players. It'll be a snake format. I'm going to ask you an Orioles trivia question. If you get it right, you get to choose whether you pick first or second. Uh, I already mentioned international signings can be included. We're each going to draft one pitcher because the the Orioles haven't drafted many pitchers. Mm. It's kind of slim pickings in that regard. So I figure we just kind of make a lineup. We'll have a pitcher, a catcher, four infielders, three outfielders, one additional position player, and then once that's done, we'll compile the rosters. We'll put put them in a batting order, and uh, we'll let the listeners vote on who has the better team. Um, one caveat that I didn't realize until I, I actually kind of did a little mock draft last night just because I was trying to see how it might play out. Uh, there aren't any true first basemen that have been drafted high. So put whoever you want over at first base. That doesn't matter too much. The point is, four infielders, you can arrange them however you like. Sure. All right, Paul. So... I'm going to ask you a trivia question, and uh, I'm going to give you a couple options for how we can go about it. I'm nervous. Uh, I'm actually getting anxiety about this because I feel like I probably know it, but I'm going to get it wrong anyway. I, I think I think you can get at least close to it just by you know, thinking back on Orioles teams. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I'm going to ask you the question first, and then I'm going to give you your two options. Since the Orioles moved to Baltimore in 1954, there have been – Five players to post a single season slugging percentage above 600. Okay. I want you to A, name all five of them, but I will allow you one incorrect answer, or name four of them without giving me an incorrect answer. You get to pick one of those two options, but you can't flip flop once we start. So I have to get five of them. If you want to guess all five, I'll give you one free one. wrong answer. 
or four, but I can't get a wrong answer. Right. All right. Let's do the five. And I think that um, because I think I can I can get five in six guesses. I so, I think you can. There there aren't any. None of the names are curveballs. It's just a matter of getting the right. I names. think I, I I think one of them might be. I think one of them might be. Um. All right. So Chris Davis is obviously one of them. Six thirty four in two thousand thirteen. Brady That's Anderson. One. Brady Anderson, six thirty seven in nineteen ninety six. I want to say Frank Robinson, but I think he only had like 22 doubles in 66. So I'm going to keep that in my pocket for right now. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Rafael Palmero, I think in 98. That is incorrect. Damn. Really? Palmero's in, in the top 10 of the, the home run list, but he is he had, not. He had, he had like 43 homers and like 38 doubles that year. Let me, let me see what his. Uh... Pull up his baseball reference page. Let's see. I know I was looking at the the home runs to see if they matched up with that. Uh, he said ninety eight. His his slugging percentage in ninety eight was five sixty five. That's crazy. How many doubles did he have? He had thirty six doubles, one triple, forty three home runs. Uh, in 709 plate appearances. Oh, man. I think... Okay, so I got I got Chris Davis. You got Chris um, Davis? He's not he's not on the list twice, right? Like, I don't have to name... None of, name... none of the five players are duplicated. None of the five players are duplicated. So you got, got Davis, you got Brady Anderson. Okay. Um... I, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give you... A bit of a hint. The other three are from. The other three happened before you or I were born. Really. Really. Okay. That, so there's no there's no that, Trumbo. There's no Nelson Cruz. There's no Albert Bell. Oh, I was good. He was the one who I kind of was like I. I might that might be the curveball, but now that I know that it's not anybody that, that happened before, it happened before you and I were born. So I got Anderson, I got Davis. I'm just gonna go ahead and say Frank Robinson. Frank Robinson had a 6.37 slugging percentage in 1966. Okay. There are two more. Oh man. Um. Boot pal. Boog Pal, 606 slugging percentage in 1964. And There's then, one remaining, and he is the leader of the pack. Leader of the pack. The highest single-season slugging percentage in Orioles history. And this list goes back to the Browns as well. Ew, that's that. Was yeah, he, I, he, he was a Brown? No, no, no. He was an Orioles. I'm saying the since the, the oh, one time oh, asking oh, okay, are so, since they became the Orioles. But there are players on the list. George Sisler's on the list. Ken Williams is on the say, list. The, George, but George I, Sisler, but I'm not that, including pre-54. That would be like the the Indianapolis Colts when when they talk about how Johnny Unitas was one of their quarterbacks. It's like no, he wasn't. Right, exactly. Um, Jim Gentile. Gentile, six forty six slugging percentage in 1961. Congratulations! I thought 
you might falter after you got Rafael Palmeiro wrong. I may have been a little generous with that hint, but I'm I'm glad you got it. Uh, Jim no, Gentile. No, it, it, in, without without the hint, I wouldn't have gotten it. I think he hit like 41 homers in uh in or 46 home runs, something like that, in 61. 46 homers, 141 runs batted in, led the league. Uh, 302 batting average, 423 on base, 646 slugging. Just a fantastic season. Yeah, uh, third in cr- third in MVP voting behind. Let's see who was who did he lose the MVP to that year? Of course, Roger Maris, Roger Maris. and Mickey Mantle. Roger Maris. Um, Maris was first. Uh, that was his 61 home run season, and then Mickey Mantle had 54, came in second uh, place. Aubrey Huff in 2008 is kind of a shocker to me because he had so many doubles. It was a 30-homer season. He had over 300, uh, but maybe he had so many singles mixed in there because I know he didn't have any – no, he, and I think he had for the cycle that year, so I, he, had, he at least had one triple. He said 08? Um, it was either 08 or 09. 08, he had 32 homers, 48 doubles. Mm-hmm. Uh, on base, uh, sl- sorry, slugging percentage was 552. That's crazy to me. He must have had a ton of singles because I think he had close to it, like 180 or 190 hit season. 182 hits. Yeah. Yeah, so a, a lot of singles in there. Yeah. All right. That's, I, actually, that's exactly 100 singles, I think, if my math is correct. All right. So, uh, Paul, that means you get the first pick in our draft. Much to my dismay, uh, who you got? You know what, Gunnar Henderson. I had convinced myself if I got the first pick, I was going to take Adley Rutschman to get the catcher out of the way, but it's Gunnar Henderson. I think I think his offensive ceiling. I think Rutschman has more value as far as behind the dish, what he does defensively and offensively. But I think Gunnar Henderson is still going to be really good defensively. He's got the speed, and his offensive ceiling is higher than Rutschman. That really threw me through a loop. I I, I expected you to take what you said, you know, go Adley, get the catcher out of the way, because I think there's a pretty significant drop-off after Adley Rutschman. There is. Um, But I respect going with Gunnar. It's it's a tough choice. I think Adley and Gunnar is the clear one and two in whatever order. Uh, so, all right. So now I get two picks and then we loop around. So now from, from here on out, we're alternating two and two. Um, I, I have to go Adley Rutschman. Um, expected him to go first. He threw me a curveball, which is fine. I'll take my catcher, get him out of the way. Adley's going to be a stud. You, you take into account, not just his offense, but the way he handles a pitching staff, the way he frames pitches behind the plate. It's, he's really something special. Uh, and so I, I don't think either of us can really go wrong here. All right, so now the top infielder is off the table. See now, now this is this is where it gets tough because I have to try to figure out which slots you're going to try to fill as mm-hmm. we continue. Now that I took my catcher, I only have one other pick. You know what? Ah. I'm going to go I, – I think there's a there's a clear top four outfielders. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to take an outfielder in Colton Kowser. Okay. Um, I'm not sure I love that pick, but I like it. Okay. It's a good I pick. Think, I think he's, he's going to be – He would have been my um, 
So let's see. You had this, the last pick of the first round, the first pick of the second round. He would have been my first pick of the third round. Colton Kaepernick. Okay. He would have been my you. first pick. So that, that's, that, that, that's, that sounds about right. That's, that's a good pick. Um, Jackson Holiday. Uh, expected. And that's that's who I was considering over Kowser, but I'm not sure my outfield. Okay. Dylan Beavers. I, 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 they changed his swing. And he has been nothing. They changed his swing his final year in college, and he has been a monster uh, since he started his pro career. And I think that that dude's going to be an impact bat. So Jackson Holiday, and then um, Dylan Beavers. Okay, I I very much respect those two options. Um, so you go with a couple twenty twenty two guys right off the bat. I like it. I like it. Um. All right, so two outfielders off the board, two infielders off the board, both of them on your team, and one catcher. So now I have two picks. I am going to take Jordan Westberg. Okay. I think he is starting for the Orioles next season. He, he may, We may even see him for a cup of coffee at the end of this year. We'll see. Uh, Jordan Westberg... And Kyle Stowers. Okay. I'm going to go with Stowers only because I don't want to give away my secrets, but I like the infield depth more than the outfield depth. So I think if I have a strong outfield, that bodes well for me. So I'm going to take Kyle Stowers, and now you are on the clock for your next two. My cat is, like, begging me. For the Lovins right now. Sorry, I didn't realize I had tilted my computer screen forward. <laughs> I had to grab a pen so I could keep track of this, and she's over here trying to get me to pet to pet her nonstop. No worries. All right. My cat with, was hanging out with me, but she has since disappeared. With my fourth pick. Hmm. And what, what? How does how does this go again? Like, do I get like a flex pick? You get yeah. You get one additional one, position player. One, one you can DH. slot whoever you want is in in as a DH. Okay. I, I have a running uh, tally going on our our show notes if you wanted to take a look there. All right. So then I'm gonna go with Connor Norby. Okay. And it's a good pick. Kobe Mayo. Wow. Okay. Dang. All right. Those are two guys I had mocked to myself. <laughs> I, I I like those picks a lot. So you you now have a full infield. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of power in that infield. Yeah. You've got a guy in Mayo you can slot in at first base if you want. That's okay. That's strong. Okay. A lot, of, a lot of high on base guys too. Yeah, you know what? That's that's okay with me because I really, really like the Orioles' infield depth. Um, but it's starting to go away. Okay, so I have two picks. I have two outfielders on my roster. I think with you having a full infield and only your flex spot available to take another infielder if you choose, mm-hmm. I'm going to sure up my outfield. And take Heston Kerstad. Okay. Up between him and Haskin. I like Hudson Haskin a lot. 
Uh, but I'm going to go with Kerstad, throw him on a corner. So I now I've got. I think they're both trade candidates. I think so too. Um, all right, I have my catcher in Rutschman. We're going to go infielder, and I'm going to take Joey Ortiz. I love the glove. I think the bat is going to play enough to keep him in a regular major league lineup. He hit another home run last night, stole two more bases at Norfolk. I like Joey Ortiz a lot. He's going to be my second infielder. The bat has been phenomenal at both double-A and triple-A since the beginning of July. It has. So that's a, that's, that's a, and the glove has been major league ready probably since last year. So that's, 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 that's a strong pick. He's, All he's, right. I'll, I'll probably slot Westberg over at second and Ortiz at short. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Let's see what we got here. All right. I'm going to go ahead and take my pitcher now because I think you're going to take him. I think he's a clear-cut guy. And that is Carter Baumler. He was the number one pitcher on my list, but I don't think it's as clear-cut as you you do. Well, he right. was he he was drafted to be a starter. Uh, he was he was um, given overslot money to forego his commitment to college, and he compared himself to a more athletic Zach Granke, which is a pretty damn good. Yeah, I remember that I, quote. That's that's the confidence you want, uh, and it, it's it's the kind of confidence that you want rather than calling yourself a Porsche that you that you got to take out of the garage. Yeah. Um, and I know he had Tommy John surgery, but then he came back and pitched pretty well. I haven't seen what he's done in, in a while at the at the minor league level, but when he came back, he looked pretty good to start. So uh, Carter Baumler is a guy that I'm taking now. So we have I have six picks. I have four left. Um, hmm. Let me see. I, th- I think Fabian. I like Judd Fabian. Okay, Judd Fabian. Judd Fabian is another twenty twenty two. Well, they they wanted him in twenty twenty one, and the Red Sox yeah. came in and took him to pick before the Orioles, and then he didn't sign. So then they got him in twenty twenty two, and he hit the ground running. And the guy's got stupid power. So yeah. that's a guy who maybe if he doesn't get on base quite as much, it's okay because he could hit forty homers. Um, so that's who I'm taking. So I have seven picks, and i got three left. Okay. So I'm at six. I've got Adley. I've got Westberg and Ortiz. My outfield is set. Do I want to go back to infielder is the question. I do need one more infielder. I need two more infielders and my flex. I can wait on pitcher now. Okay. So pitcher will be my last pick with you taking Balmer off the board. Uh, and I suspect catcher will be your last pick, which means you're going to go outfielder and position player here. So I'm going to take two more infielders. I want Cesar Prieto. Leads all Orioles in strikeout, right? All organizational player. That's a good pick. <laughs> not, not, uh, good, not good defensively, but he doesn't no. strike out. He gets on base, and he, he's got he's got great bat skills. Yeah. 
Uh, and my other infielder is going to be uh, who do I want to go here? I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Max Wagner. Max Wagner. Tom my Tom. first 2022 draft pick off the board. Uh, I'll probably slot him in as my first baseman. He was a third baseman in college, ACC Player of the Year. Uh, I think his his OPS his senior year was like 1.3 something. Uh, so I I like that bat in my lineup. I'm gonna go with Max Wagner. Okay. So I still need a I need another outfielder, a catcher, and then one more person to be my DH. So and I have two picks now, right? Two picks. So my outfielder, well, so I need an outfielder, a catcher, and a position player. So my outfielder is John Rhodes. Okay. I like that pick. Well, I'm going to very you- solid for us. A guy who doesn't get a lot of, doesn't have a lot of name recognition, but a really solid player. I'm going to throw you a curveball here because I don't think you thought of this guy. Ramon Arias. What? I did not think of him at all. Ramon Arias. Wait, he was a waiver claim. He was signed out of the Mexican League. He's never oh, played. that's right. He's never played for any other organization. He was signed out of, the, out of the Mexican League. I can go back and double check. If he was ever in another organization, I can't take him. But unless he played for that organization and then went to the Mexican League and then was signed out of the Mexican League, but I'm almost certain that no, see. he was he he was in the Cardinals organization in 2018 and 19. Right, but then he was playing in he was taken out of the Mexican League. I'm almost certain of it. Let's see. Orioles signed Ramon Arias. Yep. He played. For where is it? They don't have a Mexican league. No, he was here. he was claimed off waivers by the Orioles on February eleventh, twenty twenty. Was that so? Wait, does that mean? Can you claim a guy off waivers from the Mexican league? He was with St. Louis in twenty nineteen. Let me see. They don't have his his. All right, his, his Wikipedia says he was DFA'd by the Cardinals on February 6, 2020, claimed off waivers by the Orioles on February 11th, 2020. Ah, damn it. I thought I found a loophole. I thought that they signed him out of the Mexican League. I, I, I respect the effort to be a little sneaky there. I thought, but, that they, uh, signed, I thought, I thought they signed him out of the Mexican, uh, the Mexican League. He play, it looks like he played in the Mexican League while he was in the Cardinal system. So was he DFA'd by the Cardinals and then was playing in the Mexican League when the Orioles signed him? No, no, because he was he was claimed five days later, five days after the DFA. Okay. Okay. All right. No Miguel Gonzalez. All right. <laughs> Damn, I really thought I, I thought about this like way earlier today. I was like, Ramona Rios was signed out of the Mexican League. That's a I can take that guy because he's an international signing. You you would ah. have you would have snuck that right past me if I wasn't so skeptical. Ah. I was gonna believe you too, and then I had to look it up. Yes, uh, I'm I'm glad you did because somebody else would have called us out for it, and I would have felt like a heel 
Like I was underhanded. <laughs> I, I really believe that he was in the Mexican League because he had no major league um, experience with any other team, and I, they've always said that he was plucked out of the Mexican League. I've heard them say it on on mm. multiple occasions. But if he was playing in that league while he was a member of the Cardinals organization, I can't take him. It's kind of like Julio Rodriguez last year playing for the Dominican Republic while he was still with the Mariners farm. Yeah, system. and that's and that's Dominican Winter League. I always right. thought that was a little bit different. I didn't realize that. Like I thought the Mexican League was its own thing, and the Dominican, but. All right, now I got to go back to the drawing board here. <laughs> Damn, I really thought I, I had one, a real like a sneaky one. All right. So you need your uh, DH utility, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I. And you need a catcher. Yeah. I'm curious who you're gonna take a catcher. Oh, let's go. Sorry, I fantasy baseball update. I plucked Elvis Andrews off the free agent pool today for a playoff matchup because uh, I'd like to gain some ground in the offensive categories, and my opponent only has like five or six guys on his team playing, and I wanted a full roster. So I had a roster spot, picked up Elvis Andrews. He just hit a home run, making me look like a genius. Anyway, back to the draft. Nice. So let's see. I've got... For my outfielders, I've got Beavers, Fabian, Rhodes. So I need a catcher and a position player. Ah, all right. Hang on a second. Curious to see where you're going to go here. I have I have two guys. I, I, this is a good position to be in because... If you don't take – you can't take both of these guys. You are absolutely right. I can't. They don't have this guy listed on baseball reference. Okay. There's two guys I want, three I'd be happy with. Sorry. I re- this really threw me for a loop. The um, Arias not being – Not able being to, able to take Arias. Really threw me for a loop. All right. Is it Darrell or Daryl Hernandez? Damn it, Paul. You son of a bitch. He's had Darrell a really Hernandez. good year. Good defender. He's got really great uh, speed. Stolen base guy. I just wanted to be sure that he's... like I haven't really paid attention to his batting average. It's just like his defense and the steals. He's had a little bit more power this year. But he's a, he's been a productive player in, in all three of his seasons. So he's my guy. With my ninth round pick. Okay, I I respect that. Uh, I was I was hoping to sneak him in as kind of a, a platoon with Cesar Prieto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big big Hernandez guy. He follows me on Twitter. Super nice dude. Love watching him play. Uh, I so I I really like that pick for you. Okay. I have one left. Actually, I have two. So I need I need my pitcher and my final position player. This is tough, man. There's 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 a lot of guys I like. Uh, but I'm gonna start with my position player, and it's gotta be for me. I I I really like Braylon Tavares' upside. Mm-hmm. You know what? 
I'm sorry to do this to you, Paul, but we never we never specified that my my backup my backup hitter my DH can't be a catcher. Um, I'm gonna take Samuel Basalo. I think there's a ton of upside in that bat. It, it's it's tough to take it. There's a lot of guys left that I like. I forgot he existed. I forgot he existed. I can't believe I forgot he existed. I forgot he existed because Sammy he hasn't. Masalo. He hasn't gotten to organized to stateside pro ball yet. He's been right. playing in the Dominican Summer League, and then he was playing in the uh, in the Complex League, which is still stateside. But he hasn't gotten to an affiliate. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I, I, I like. He's like 18 years old. Right. I think I, there's a there's a ton of upside there. He, he's he's one of the guys who posts a lot of video on social media. You know, his family is always sharing stuff with with him cranking balls in the batting cage and whatnot. Um, I think there's a ton of upside there. I, I promise I'm not just doing this to make your catcher worse. Um, although I guess if you had forgotten about him, he wasn't going to go there anyway. Yeah, he wasn't. But uh, I, I really like that pick. pick. If I had remembered about him, I probably would have taken him um, ahead of one of my outfielders. You know what I could do? I could, I could put Basalo at catcher. Adley at first base and keep Wagner at third. Nick Prieto at DH. Yeah, because his we'll defense see. Isn't, isn't isn't great. We're not gonna we're not gonna do that on the show. But um, af- afterward, I'll I'll just have you text me your your lineup. Um, and I think your, that's your I, I think that that's, I think that's cutting off your nose to spite your face. Because <laughs> Adley's the better catcher, and we've never seen at the major league level what he can do at first base. Just like. That's true. Just like That's you true. see him from the left side, he's a world beater batting. But from the right side, he's been very subpar. You don't, you don't know if that's the same thing where catcher's his best spot. And then first base, he can do it, but he's not great. That's true. Yeah, I, I, I probably end up just keeping Wagner at first. Um, although, I'm not, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure if he has any college or pro experience at first base. But most third basemen at can least can hold transition. their own over there. Yeah. Um, all right, so now I need my pitcher. Uh, after Baumler, I have, I have three names that I'm trying to choose from. Um, and the one I'm going to go with, Paul, I'm not sure how confident I am. Uh, okay. Hey, let me, give me, give me 10 seconds here. I think I'm happy with this pick. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay, the guy I'm going to go with uh, was not drafted. He was not an international signing. He was an undrafted free agent after the shortened five-round 2020 draft. Uh, my pitcher is going to be Ryan Watson. Big Ryan right-hander Watson. out of Auburn. I like him a lot. He's He put up great numbers at Bowie this year and a promotion up to Norfolk. Uh, strikes out more than a batter per nine. Hardly ever walks anybody. I love that in a starting pitcher. I am pretty confident in that pick. I think I think Watson could be a spot starter for the Orioles as soon as the end of next season. Okay. I'm going to take Ryan Watson. Not just because his name is Ryan. Oh, man. So... 
there have not been a whole hell of a lot of catchers taken in like Elias regime, and you have the two best ones because you're a prick. And, <laughs> um, I think you totally took him to make my team weaker. I don't care what you say. To be honest, I was I was choosing between uh, an outfielder and an infielder. And then I looked over at my catcher rankings. I was like, wait a minute. I can take him. But there, there is one catch. There, 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 there are three other catchers I had on my list. There's one that I think is the Orioles' future backup catcher. It has not been taken. But what yeah. do I know? I'm just the guy with the podcast. See, that's that's the thing. I didn't get to do um, much prep for this. Yeah, I, I feel a little bad because I, I kind of introduced this, this idea last night. And then the, you were uh, on the bus. And then I, w- I was asleep when you sent the, um, the, the breakdown of what we could take. And then I had too much going on today during the day to do much by way of looking into this. Was it, it's okay. was it was it your birthday this week? My birthday was on Tuesday. Oh, okay. happy birthday. Thank you. You're a terrible friend, but you know. I wish I had known that. I would have done a surprise guest celebration or something yeah, for you on the show, but uh, don't don't think I didn't notice. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. Um, I know. Uh, uh All right. I'm just going to take him cuz Maverick Hanley, I think he's the Orioles' future. I, well, I think Brett Cumberland is honestly the Orioles' future backup catcher, but he came over in a trade in 2018. So, Matt, I'm gonna. There's nobody else. Maverick Hanley. Yeah, that that would have been my pick there as well. Uh, defensive and was, stud and the bat has really started to come together this year. He's hitting for power. He, I was a, I was a buoy last Friday night, and he hit an absolute tank. I don't know the exit velo or the distance, but it was one of those one of those swings that the the ball sounds different coming off, and it disappeared into the trees beyond the left field fence. I'm a I'm a big Maverick Hanley guy, uh, and I think I think that's a, a strong pick for your catcher this late in the draft. Well, thank you. Yeah, uh, man, that Arias thing really really freaking. Threw me. <laughs> All right, I think you have one more, two more. No, one more. Pick. I'm I'm done. This is oh, you're this done. is your this is your wait. That's it. No, you you I'm got sorry. one more pick. You got one more. Do pick. I? I, I one, two, yeah, because I had the first. Or no, I guess that's it. I have I have ten. So yeah, so you got you had one. Yeah, that's Hang right. On. Did we do this right? So you got Basayo, and who was your pitcher? Ryan Watson. Yeah. No, we 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 did this right. We did this right. Okay. Because it's the tenth round, which is an even number, which means I would have had the second pick in the in the in the tenth round. We we did it right. You've got ten. You've got Adley, Colton, Westberg, Stowers, Kerstad, Ortiz, Prieto, Wagner, Basayo, Watson. So that's right. that's ten. I've got Gunner, Jackson, Beavers, Norby, Mayo, Balmer, Fabian, Rose, Hernandez, Hanley. Yeah, we but we both got ten. I'll tell you, man. I had a really. Oh, strong... I didn't. You're right. I didn't write Hernandez. <laughs> I was so mad at you for for picking him from me. Forgot to write him down. Okay, that makes sense because you should have. Yeah, you should have only had the one pick at the at the tail end, so that makes sense. 
I feel like I was really strong in the first half of the draft, and you were really strong in the second half of the draft. Not that you weren't strong in the first half. I mean, getting getting Adley, Colton Kowser, and then Kerstad in with your fifth in the fifth round is um that's that's a steal if he doesn't if he doesn't get traded. I don't like that he's his bat hasn't really come to life too much in. Aberdeen, but I mean that's he's a former number two overall pick, and once once he really gets going, the power is going to be crazy. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll see what the people think of it. Uh, I, I think this was a really fun exercise. Yeah, it, was it, it would have been way more difficult if we had any more than just the two of us. Um, but yeah, I, I I had so I did I did my little mock draft, and I kind of I I anticipated that you were going to get the trivia question right. Uh, which you did. I thought you were going to take Adley. And my two, I was going to go with Gunner and Colton Kowser. And then that would have left Jackson Holiday on the board for you. That's two number one overall picks. So in a sense, I'm kind of glad it didn't go that direction. Because I think two number one overall picks is almost a lock to to be the best roster overall. But I, I think we both did well here. Um, you took a couple guys I really – a few guys that I really wanted in Norby, Mayo, and uh, Hernays. I think Baumler was a really good pick. I, I didn't expect you to go pitcher that early, but I, I think you reason, got the, the clear only, number one. The only reason that I went that early is because, just like in fantasy, it's like I want this guy, and if I wait till my next pick, he might not be there. Yeah. So, uh, it, it wasn't a matter of taking him because I thought that he's the sixth best overall prospect. For the, t- for the team, it's because I think he's the best pitching prospect, and if I didn't take him then, I might not have gotten him. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw out a couple honorable mentions here, guys that were not taken. Uh, Hudson Haskin, Braylon Tavera, Reed Trimble, a few outfielders. Uh, Michael Hernandez was kind of our big-ticket international signing a couple yeah. years ago and hasn't really done much in the way of hitting at right. the minor league level. Uh, hopefully, as he continues to get older, he starts to figure it out a little bit. He's just still um, so young and so so raw that it's, yeah. I mean, he was signed at 16 years old, and I, I think that most people, um, most people that would see this list wouldn't think of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if they saw him on the list, they'd be like, "Who?" So right. you know what I mean? So it's, it, I, I'm I'm doing this because I believe in these guys, but also because I want to win. I want I want to be the guy that that has the best lineup. Exactly. Uh, and then a couple of pitchers I wanted to shout out, Carlos Tavera and Justin Armbruster, a couple of guys I had on my list as as possibilities mm-hmm. to take. Um, so that is a wrap. We're at 59 minutes, so we got in just under an hour. Was there anything else you uh, you wanted to talk about? I know I've kind of mentioned before that we're not really in the business of like recapping series because you can find that stuff anywhere. But it, right. I think it's important to talk about, you know, a few things that stood out and then uh, had a little fun. I um. I wanted to add on to it um, because while I think that the Orioles, they could make the playoffs, and I, but I've said the last two weeks and on, all, all, on, on, on both of my shows that I don't think they're going to. Um, and I want to say part of that is – and I went off on, on Sunday when the Orioles lost a ball game to the Red Sox one to nothing, and it's the, one of the worst pitching staffs in all of baseball, and they scored seven runs that entire series. They needed to win that series, and on Sunday, Hyde puts out a lineup that just was clearly not going to get the job done, and then they didn't get the job done. Um, and I went off. I, I do not like Brandon Hyde as a manager, and I, I think that that he makes some very questionable at best decisions regarding his lineup, regarding his his, his rotation, 
Um, I think starting Tyler Wells at this point in the season as an opener is a huge mistake, especially when both has given you really quality innings, and Dean Kramer did too. Um, and, you know, Dean Kramer wasn't great the other night um, against a bad Nationals team. And he picked up the win because the Orioles finally got the basket, even though they went two for 15 with runners in scoring position. But I, I, I look at these decisions that he makes, and I just I, I can't imagine that Mike Elias would be making the one making those decisions. I think that he gets I think High gets pretty much free reign to write out the lineup and use the rotation the way that he wants to. And one of the things is if the Orioles win on Friday and Saturday against the Blue Jays, I know that Sunday's lineup is going to be garbage. I know that he's going to put out a lineup that is not good enough to sweep the Toronto Blue Jays because that's he hasn't proven to me that he's willing to do otherwise. And uh, I just don't like how he's managing down the stretch. I think he manages like it's uh, April and May instead of August and September. And to me, that's reason 1A why I don't think that they're going to get the job done and get into the playoffs is because he refuses to field a competitive team in the games where he, they have an opportunity to move up a little bit Sun day game after night game Rutschman's not catching you know you have and chances are if Chirinos is in the lineup Aguilar's probably in the lineup and McKenna's probably in the lineup because he's going to use that day to rest all of his guys and you know I, I I it gives me anxiety to hate on Brandon Hyde so much I don't like to do it and a, a lot of it is because I don't I, I think people will be less inclined to come on my show when I spew so much vitriol <laughs> towards the Orioles manager I just think that he's not doing a great job and I think that he's going to win manager of the year. And to me, that means absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing because as for a manager, all that matters is world series trophies. And I don't think he's a guy that gets them there. So I think he's the reason that they don't make the playoffs ultimately, but that's all, that's all I wanted to say. And I'm, it's par for the course for me. So, yeah, you know, it's, it seems like at least twice a week, he's inexplicably putting out a lineup that he's resting multiple guys it doesn't make sense. Even even Wednesday night against the Nationals, you know, you you this it's a two game series bookended by off days. Yep. And you're you're putting out a lineup on Wednesday night with without Mullins and without Stowers. And I understand Odor's hurt. Uh, Mullins had been hit by a pitch the night before, maybe just getting a little extra rest. But moving Hayes up to leadoff didn't make sense. Gunner at eight didn't make sense. McKenna Aguilar at DH. McKenna it's McKenna was seven, I believe. Um, no, Mateo was seven. Mateo was seven. Gunner was no, maybe was Mateo. No, was Mateo, nine. Was, Mateo, Mateo was Mateo nine. was nine. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say because you because you said um, earlier the second inning rally. I think you said that Mountcastle, Santander, and Arias. Yeah, that's got right. on. Got the, so it was Hayes, Rutschman, and Mountcastle were were retired in order in the first, and then it was Santander who started that that's rally. That's right, Santander, Arias, um, and Arias Aguilar, and Aguilar that got yeah, on yeah. base. Um. um but yeah, it, it was it was a weird lineup last night. I I had sent out a tweet where I basically just said I don't get it, and then after they scored four runs in the seventh, I said I get it now. But really, that's just the result. Well, they 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 scored four runs once they pinch hit for Aguilar. I mean for Aguilar with Vavra, who scored <laughs> yeah. on that base into the corner, and they pinch hit they pinch ran Vavra, and they pinch hit Mullins, who got a base hit, and then and those her- those three went three for three. Or yep. those two guys went three for three the rest of the game. They did. Um, and Gunnar Henderson came up, had a chance against the right-handed pitcher, and took advantage. Um, yeah, yeah I, there's there's certainly criticism to go around. I think it's he manages kind of like how I do on MLB The Show, where 
you know, I like to start my regular guys. And then when the little energy bar gets a little too close to low, I'll throw in all four of my bench guys because I know I can hit with Tyler Nevin and Yusniel Diaz and Jorge Mateo and whoever else. Right. And I think Jonah Heim is my backup catcher. Uh, this is not MLB The Show. Right. You're and, not controlling all these players. You can't put out a lineup where it's, you know, obviously you're not putting your best foot forward and expect them to not have a bad offensive performance. And we've been proven time and time again that when that's the case, when those are the lineups that are put out, the Orioles offense does not contribute. Now, to be fair, the Orioles offense as a whole has not been great lately. As but it, it's, it's been very inconsistent all year. Wouldn't you rather lose with your best? I mean, if this is, this is all hypothetical, of course, but let's say the Ravens are eight and seven going into week 17. They got two games left. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm not going to use Lamar Jackson. Let, let's say Rashad Bateman is, has, he started all 15, all, yeah, all 15 previous games. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to rest Rashad Bateman in week 17 so that I can start James Prochet and get him in the lineup. Right. That's not going to give me the best chance to win. Not when you're eight and seven in a wild card hunt trying to make the playoffs. I understand football and baseball are different animals and football players don't get rest days because they've played a lot. But I just, I I can't comprehend that. And I I try not to be too hard on Brandon Hyde. I try not to be too harsh, but yeah, it's, I, I find myself flustered when I see the lineup at least a couple times a week. Well, yeah, that's what it comes down to. The, the Sunday lineup where he rests Rutschman um, to DH Aguilar. He has Ch- Chirinos catching. Um, I think he had was Valvera playing second base and Arias was playing third that game, or was it Odor? No, it was Odor at second and Arias at third. Yeah, I believe Valvera hasn't started a game since September third. Yeah, so but he had he didn't have Gunner and he didn't have Rutschman in the lineup, and I'm looking at him like. This kid's 21 years old. This guy's 24 years old. It's their first taste of the big leagues. Um, you think yeah, they're it, tired? And, 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 the, and even then, you need this game, and you have an off day on Monday. This, I, I understand that most catchers don't catch day game after a night game. I get that. And you're not, you, we're, we're probably done with the days where a catcher catches 140 to 150 games a year. I understand that. But that's a game you need. If the Orioles lose one to nothing, and Rutschman, Mullins, um, Santander, Henderson, Mountcastle, Arias are all in that lineup, and they just didn't hit, okay, that's fine. I can live with that because they they had a bad game. But you you rested at the very least. You rested Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, who have been two of your best offensive players this month, with an off day on Monday, and then another off day on Thursday. It just they're going to get plenty of rest this week. Go out and try and win a ball game, and I it just it stinks because I know that the same thing's going to happen this Sunday, where he's not going to field a representative lineup because it's a day game after a night game, and that just that just sucks to me, and, and that's why they're not going to make the playoffs. Well, get ready because the Orioles have 20 games in 20 days to end out the season. Thursday's their final off day of the year. It's it's a grind from here on out, and uh, the Orioles need to play out of their minds if they want to sneak into a playoff spot. Yeah. Uh, Paul, thank you as always. It's it's been fun. I think this was a uh, a, a fun episode, a good exercise yeah. in in looking back at Elias's drafts and and signings and um, what he's been able to do since he became GM. We'll let the fans vote on our lineups. You can just text me your you know 
positions and batting order and all that and i'll i'll make some kind of cool graphic and share it and hopefully we get some engagement on that uh subscribe to our youtube buy a shirt they're nice they're comfy they're cool looking supports us we don't have our names on them because we thought that was kind of weird so we took took the names off so you don't have to walk around with our names on your chest but that's the logo precisely cool. why i didn't care that i didn't have the adley shirt or the gunner shirt because i think it'd be like i'm willing to wear a jersey but to wear a shirt that just has a guy's name like welcome to the show adley rutschman like i think that's weird yeah um i i agree uh, and that's why that's why the the shirts at birdlandsports.com are are sick. Like I said, I ordered four yeah. of them. It cost me less than sixty dollars. Uh, use the promo code that fan for twenty percent off. They were already running a sale on a couple gunner shirts. I got my twenty twenty three World Series champions t shirt. I'm pumped to to get that and wear it. I'll have a couple podcast shirts. So um, yeah, go ahead and do that. Uh, thank you as always to Derek and Tony at Utah Street Report for hosting the pod. And uh, we'll see you guys. It'll be another early episode next week. We have an interview coming on Monday. So that episode will be out either late Monday or Tuesday. You don't uh, want to we'll tease see. who it is? or We can. I don't know. I have See, I teased – before I stopped doing the podcast, I teased my next guest. And then that guest stopped responding to me. And it broke my heart because it was someone I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, we can do it. I mean, hey, if, if, if you're sure that he's, he's down to come on, you can go ahead and tell everybody who it is. Yeah, we, we got we got Mike Bordick uh, coming on the show on Monday. Mike's a hell of a guy, and yeah. he is he has never not responded to me. And I think there's only been twice that he said no to me, and it's because he had a previous engagement, whether it was um, a baseball. I think both times it was a baseball academy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am 100% confident that he's going to be talking. He, he he's a guy who if he makes a commitment to you, he's going to keep it, and um, he committed to. Monday. So I'm 100% confident that Mike Bordick will be on the show with us on Monday. Well, I'm excited about that. He was one of my favorite players when I was a kid. I loved to I used to love doing his batting stance, the bat real real high open stance, bouncing the bat around, you know, busy hands. Uh so I'm excited to chat with him next week and uh I hope you all tune back in and join us and uh, we'll see you next time. Go subscribe. Give that go subscribe on YouTube. I guess you can subscribe on Spotify and all that stuff. Yeah. Something like that. We'll see you next week on Give That Fan a Podcast.